Hello, you are listening to Getting After Lefty, starring Gary Gatehouse, Monday, Wednesday, Friday. We have good questions on the show, like... Uh, Mr. Obama, sir, I have a, just a quick question, if I can. Um, I was wondering, you know, just uh, where, uh, where the hell is your birth certificate? Well, welcome to the Gary Gatehouse Radio Show Saturday Edition. That's right, Saturday Edition. I got put on the uh, back burner for Friday's show because of the debates. Had to wait till all the desks cleared so we could have some real good comments to make. Once I get done with my show today, uh, the sky is blue. Not a cloud in the sky, about 80 degrees. I've got to get to it. I've got to get out there and do my honeydews. Finish uh, staining that big old deck we got out back of the house. But you know what? I love that deck because I can sit up there and look out over the landscape and Oh, oh, as far as a crow flies, maybe about a mile, mile and a half, there's a great big old lake I can look at and watch the the uh, sailboats every once in a while, a big sailboat to go by. And all the time there are people out there with their hot rod boats and all that stuff. It's kind of a neat deal. Set up there on that back deck and do a little bit of barbecuing and enjoy the hot winter sun down here in South Texas. Enjoy the hell out of it. That's for sure. I might even go to the beach. Hell, who knows? You know, ladies and gentlemen, all you folks that, law, that watched watched that debate, that poor excuse for a debate Thursday, we all know that uh, Ted Cruz looked mighty bad, didn't he? He just didn't look himself. And uh, some of the other guys were full of uh, vim and vigor. They were ready to get after it. Like Gary Gatehouse does, you know, getting after Lefty. But the funny thing I noticed about the whole debate, we all knew who was missing. We all knew who was not there. Mr. Donald Trump. And it seemed like all the other little midgets up there were just so happy and so full of vim and vigor and sticking their big old masculine chest out and saying, by God, I want to speak up now because that big bully on the block, he ain't out there and he's going to stop me or call me a name or something. And I'm going to tell everybody how I really feel. You know, a few days ago, Mr. Rand Paul made a couple of statements about coming back on the main stage. If you remember, Mr. Rand Paul who was in the second tier of candidates, said, I'm not going to appear on the second tier of candidates anymore the last time around. I'm taking my dang ball, and I'm going to go home. I'm not going to play. So what does he do when he finally gets up on the main stage? A day before that, he makes a statement. Well, you know, Donald Trump's not going to be there. He's taking his ball, and he's going to play elsewhere. <laughs> as Rand Paul would say. Then he made the statement, you know, with with, uh, Donald Trump missing from the stage up there, the IQ just went up 20-some points. Whose IQ? Yours? The last time I checked, it was not too good when it comes to getting your point across about your politics. You know, you rub elbows with McConnell all the time. 
So don't give us this crap that you're one of these uh, guys outside looking in and you're one of these heroes that's going up against the RNC and the Republican establishment. You are part of the establishment, whether you like it or not, Mr. Rand Paul. You are. And as far as Ted Bush goes, excuse me, Jeb Bush goes, what a wuss. Actually, him and Rand Paul are both wusses. But Jeb Bush seemed like he was going to get out there and he got all fired up and he was going to show his manhood and he was going to get up there and just tell it like it was because Donald Trump wasn't around to intimidate me. Jeb Bush looked like a little wimp. That's what he is. The only guys that I thought that stood their ground up there and, and did well was Cruz, but he wasn't, like I said, he wasn't on, his, uh, wasn't on his game. Whenever he got to speak, Chris Christie seemed uh, spot on. Rubio, he was cut and drives like a, a robot. When you pushed the button, he was a chatty Cathy doll. He went, You wound him up, and he spewed out one word right after another. Didn't stop, didn't pause. By God, it came out. Just like he was in the well up there at Senate trying to get one of his, oh, I don't know, buddy's bills passed. You know, the, remember back when the Gang of Eight and they was trying to ram amnesty down our throat? I'm never going to forget that, Rubio. And neither are a lot of other Americans. You can flip-flop all you want. And you accuse others of flip-flopping, but it's okay with you. It's okay with you, right? No, it's not. So get that straight. But anyway, after the debate... I visited the Drudge Report poll. I visited it on uh, Friday, Friday afternoon. And let me go through the numbers with you on that poll. And to me, this is a valid poll. It's not taking a poll of 400 or 300 examples or people. No, this is an open-door poll. You go vote, and you can only vote once, because I tried to vote twice just to see what would happen. And the poll said, we've already got your vote. You can't vote anymore, but thanks for voting. So you can only vote once. So that argument's off the table that... uh, Donald Trump people are going in and voting numerous times. You can't do it. It recognizes your IP address and stops you from doing it. Now, the Drudge Poll. Who is your Republican pick for president was the question. Out of one close to one million votes, one million votes, I'm going to go down the line as they came out uh, in the poll. Donald Trump. 58.71% or 580,265 votes said that they, those people voted for Donald Trump as the Republican pick for president. Number two was Mr. Ted Cruz at 20.1%. He got 199,203 votes. Number three was Mr. Marco Rubio, 8.23%. 81,000 votes. Number four was Rand Paul, 5.4%, 54,000 votes. And then it went down from there. Kasich, Carson, Christian, uh, Christie, Verona, Bush, Huckabee, and bottom of the list was uh, Santorum. He got 2,700 votes. Bush got 11,000. But you know, ladies and gentlemen, when you look at that poll, and it shows... That Trump's approximately 39% ahead of Cruz when you count the raw vote. 
38 39%. And he's walking away with the rest of the field. That's probably the way it's going to play out down through these primaries, down through these caucuses and so on. Trump has got it going for him. And the people have spoke. They went up on drudgery, uh, uh, up on the Drudge Report and they took the poll. Anybody could take it. Republican, Democrat, whatever. You could go up there and vote. But you could only vote once. The computer would only allow you to vote one time. And like I said, the total amount of votes was close to one million compared to CNN or Fox News or whatever might take a sampling of 1,000 or 800 or 600 or 300 or 200. This was a sampling, a raw sample across the board. Vote for who you want to vote for. And that came out over close, very, very close to a total of over a million votes. Very close. Very close. And you know this says something. This poll... It doesn't have any favorites. It's not worded in any way to make a person move towards one candidate, slanting the uh, uh, who who you'll vote for, whatever. It's this plain and simple to ask. Drudge poll. Who is your Republican pick for president? Period. That's all it says. No other narrative. No other whatever. No other pictures. No nothing. And the people voted. Trump, 58.71%. 580,265 votes. Cruz, 20.16, 199,203 votes. Rubio, 8.23%, 81,351 votes. And like I said, it goes down from there. What's this say? To me, Gary Gatehouse, it says that Trump's got it locked up. But like they say in Iowa, you never know what these Iowans are going to do. They might change their mind two minutes before they raise their hand. They might change their mind in the process of putting their hand up or putting pulling it down. That's how fickle those people in Iowa are. So you can never figure them out. You know, people have probably tried to stop predicting what they're going to do, what they're going to, how they're going to vote. Now, when we come back, we're going to talk about Mr. Senator, uh, Senator Ted Cruz of Texas, my home state, my senator, a good guy. We're going to talk about him when we come back. And uh, there's just a little bit of, oh, I don't know, wavering or I don't know what it was Thursday night stumbling around. Mr. Cruz, he just didn't look himself. He just didn't act himself. And, of course, Megan Kelly with her little feisty, wise-ass questions and it's the first time, I think, I believe, it's the first time where any journalist has taken video and played it and then asked a candidate to react to it. First time that I can remember. And Fox News, they were out there doing it. They were trying to dictate to the American public who they should and not vote, should not vote for. And they were going after Mr. Ted Cruz, lock, stock, and barrel. We'll be right back after a few short messages. Hey, this is Gary Gatehouse, and I'd like to give you a hot flash here. Trade Martin, that's right, Trade Martin, famous producer, famous music writer, now has his own radio show on Sunday morning. That's right, Big Dog Radio. 
and you can get him on Big Dog Radio, blogtalkradio.com. Don't forget, every Sunday morning, 9.30 Eastern Standard Time. Somewhere in a bunker in Phoenix, Arizona, rebooting Liberty Radio Network and Gary Gatehouse Radio Show. Tune in. See what Gary's up to. See what Rebooting Liberty Radio Network's up to. Conservative talk at its best. Tune in to Gary every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday on Rebooting Liberty Radio Network. Be there! Liberty Council is a litigation, education, and policy organization established to preserve and advance religious freedom, the sanctity of human life, and the family. We have offices in various places around the United States and affiliate attorneys in all 50 states, plus a major outreach in the nation of Israel. Don't get discouraged about what's happening in our country and around the world. Get encouraged. Get on your knees in prayer and get involved. Stand with us in preserving our Judeo-Christian values. Visit lc.org. Yeah, we're back. You're listening to the Gary Gatehouse Radio Show. I had a heck of a time on after the debate show with Trade Martin and all his posse up there coming out of New York City and New Jersey. What a great hour that was. We just had a blast. We had people calling in from Las Vegas everywhere, and it was a great time. Folks, you're missing a good show after these debate shows with Trade Martin. That guy puts on one hell of a show, and he has a lot of newsworthy personalities, people in the industry of entertainment, industry of talk shows, you name it, he's got it all on there. And I was just glad to be a part of it. Really was. Had a lot of fun trading Antonio. uh, Tony, I had a hell of a time. Hope we can do it again. I'd like to give a shout out to Elvis if you're out there listening. I know you're probably in the studio with Trade Martin, but if you're not, Elvis, I hope you're having one hell of a day. <laughs> Watch out, Tony. That that Elvis can't trust that. Can't trust him. Watch out. You folks that uh, are into all the YouTube stuff and you like a lot of comedy and a lot of off-the-wall comedy, go up there on Google and Google Trade Martin YouTube. And go up there and look at all the audio-video YouTubes that Mr. Trade Martin has made, produced, and put up there. He is a funny man. He is so talented, man. I'm jealous. You know, ladies and gentlemen, a lot of people went after old Ted Cruz, man. I mean, they laid it on the line. They were getting with the program.
going after him, but it seemed like he just, uh, like I said earlier in the monologue, he just didn't have that, uh, oh, I don't know, it just didn't look right, feel right to me. I don't know, do you you think that maybe he was under the weather or something else was on his mind or something? I don't know. But uh, like I said, Rubio, he was a chatty Cathy doll. You wind him up, stick him in a corner, press a button, and he'll just spew out all the information you want, cut and dry, blink his eyes a couple of times, move his head, and he's off and running. He's just kind of like a, as they used to call all of us folks that listened to Rush Limbaugh, he was kind of a mind-numbed robot. And he was, uh, his line, rehearsed, man. I mean, he he was right on the money. Didn't miss taking a breath or anything. He just spewed it out there like a, like a, I don't know, a, a broadcast that you just wind up and just, there it is, folks. That's Rubio. But you know, perhaps one of the most visible and unfavorable appraisals of Mr. Ted Cruz, recent stumbles of uh, and his difficulties during the debate on Thursday was captured by the Des Moines Register out there in Iowa, the state's largest newspaper, which declared in bold letters on its front page, Rough Night for Cruz. Now, they were all up here, and they were going at it. And uh, I guess in the final spirit around Iowa, before voters uh, here became or become the first in the country to render judgments on who just they believe should be in the presidential race. I don't know if that's going to affect Mr. Cruz's overall standing with the folks up in Iowa or not. But you can see most of the contenders were taking aim at Cruz, who has sought to portray himself as the genuine conservative among a group of weak-principled politicians. Mr. Cruz found his own political persona under assault as he, as his rivals accused him of conveniently shading his own position, saying one thing before an audience of wealthy donors and then contradicting himself on the campaign trail in front, in front of just plain old folks. But, you know, some rivals were crafty. They were trying to raise the expectations for Mr. Cruz here in an attempt to make anything or other than a first-place finish seem like a crushing loss for the candidate who has been battling with Mr. Donald Duck Trump for the, la- for the lead in Iowa in the polls up there. But, you know, when you talk about trust, it's a matter of consistency in your beliefs. And that was a quote from Mike Huckabee. Now, he's the former Arkansas governor and winner of Iowa's 2008 caucuses. And he said that in an interview on Fox News Friday morning, you don't change them geographically when you talk about things. You you talk about them as a blanket coverage of the whole U.S., not just geographically, to kind of mold it to tune into the people of the area you happen to be standing in. But you know, ladies and gentlemen, this guy ran Paul. This guy ran Paul. To me, he is he is probably one of the biggest phonies, biggest phonies up there, and he and he stands up there and he uh, he kind of passes himself off as a an intellect, somebody uh, is, that's kind of he kind of elevates himself above everybody else. Like, you know, I really got a brain here. You folks, 
especially Trump, you if you had a brain, you'd take it out and play with it. That kind of that's the kind of feeling I get from watching Rand Paul conduct his business up there on the stage. But you know he can he uh, he kind of challenged Mr. Cruz, Rand Paul did during the debate over his insistence that the other candidates could not be trusted in their conservative beliefs. And he said that Mr. Cruz was trying to dupe voters. He went on to say, he went on to say, I think Ted Cruz, I think Ted Cruz is, uh, I think Ted Cruz wants to have it both ways. But he also wants to accuse everybody else of not being as pure as he is. That's something Rand Paul said on Fox News. And he added, in reality, I think he's creating a false narrative. Now, Senator Marco Rubio of Florida echoed those criticisms as well. Everyone else is an apostate, he said, summing up Mr. Cruz's pitch to voters here on on the stage, but also raised the stakes for Mr. Cruz. Ted Cruz will be the front runner, Mr. Cruz, uh, Mr. Rubio said Friday on Fox News, even as he and his advisors are privately rooting for a victory by Mr. Trump. He spent all his money in Iowa. He's built what he's called an historic ground game. He says he has 10,000 volunteers. 10,000. And the closer, Mr. Rubio can finish to uh, Mr. Cruz, the closest he can finish the better off he is. And if for some reason Mr. Cruz stumbles, well, that could push Rubio up into second place. But you look at the, you look at the uh, Drudge poll. You look at the Drudge poll right now. And Mr. Mr. Uh, Trump is so far ahead with this, what, three days to go? Two days, actually. That uh, two days and change. That uh, I don't know if either Rubio or Cruz has a, a snowball's chance in hell of catching him. Maybe they can. I don't know. Like I said, Iowans are pretty fickle, and they will uh, historically change their mind at the drop of a hat. So who knows? Who knows how that's going to come out? But the bottom line is. And before we go to break, I've got to say this about uh, Mr. Donald Cruz. First of all, I'm a military veteran. I served my country in Vietnam. I had a brother who served. Uh, he, he went to Vietnam six months, not even six months after I got back. I had an uncle who was over there the same time I was, flying F-105 uh, Thunder Thuds. My wife's cousin was killed in Vietnam, stepped on a landmine. So our, our family served most of us served in Vietnam. All my uncles, my father, they were all World War II veterans. One of my uh, younger uncles was a veteran of Korea War, the Korean War. And all down through the ages, our family has fought for uh, the United States in all the conflicts, all the way back to the war on in, uh, for independence. So we've been in the game. We've had a dog in the fight in this country ever since one of our ancestors way back when signed the Declaration of Independence, Mr. John Hart. Now, John Hart was a farmer from New Jersey, and he is an ancestor of mine. It's been proven, traced back the whole nine yards. But we've had a dog in the fight in this country ever since its inception, its beginnings. And I have to say, what Mr. Trump did for the veterans 
holding that benefit and raising $6 million. That'll go a long way to help a lot of vets out. All those vet organizations out there that don't seek any money from the federal government, they survive on the the uh, uh, the uh, contributions given to them by private citizens. And what Mr. Donald Trump did, most vets appreciate. Oh, there's some out there that spoke out and said they wouldn't accept the money. They're, I think they're one of the organizations that backs Hillary, so, you know, they don't count anyway. But, you know, ladies and gentlemen, before I go, I have to say this in all sincerity. Mr. Donald Trump, he looked at the horizon, he looked at the radar screen before the debate, and he did a very intelligent thing. He knew that they would all be laying low, ready to attack him. He knew that. And it's kind of an analogy like if you're if you're uh, ahead in a baseball game or a foot let's play let's say football, you're ahead in a football game by seven points or three points or whatever the case may be, and it's down to the last two minutes of the game and you have the ball. Now what do you do? You know what most pros do in that situation. They run with the ball. They run the clock out as much as they can. And then they punt and hope that their defense will hold them and they'll go on to win the game. Right? Am I right or wrong? That's what Cruz, that's, excuse me, that's what Donald Trump did in this last debate. He was in the last, he's in the last two minutes on the clock in the Iowa caucuses. And he ran the clock out. He ran the clock out. But while he was doing it, he was benefiting others. The veterans of the United States. Military veterans. Now most Americans today, I think it's 99.6%, don't have a dog in a fight when it comes to veterans. Don't have a dog in a fight when it comes to a, a, a daughter or a son or an aunt or an uncle or whatever that are actually wearing the uniforms fighting the wars against terror, terrorism. There's only a small amount of Americans that actually wear the uniforms. Army, Air Force, Navy, Marines, Coast Guard, to protect our country. They're the ones that have a dog in the fight when it comes to all those things that impact on the whole nation, but you can narrow it down to just a very few. When the whole scheme of things is looked at, that very few, less than 1%, are protecting the rest of us. They are out there protecting us. Their families are suffering repercussions of seeing their loved ones go away on combat tour after combat tour while the family stays at home. Separation. You know, ladies and gentlemen, it's not a good thing for a family to be separated time after time again. Combat tour after combat tour. It tells on people. It wears them out physically and mentally. And we can see that in our troops. But since it's an all-volunteer army, we don't have to have the uh, young men of America, the guys that play the Halo games and really know how to do some combat stuff. We don't have to uh, call on them because we got less than 1% that are willing, willing to step up to the plate and lay it all on the line for their country. The rest of the young men, nah, they don't want to be bothered. That's why I thank Mr. Donald Trump for what he did. I think he knows he knows who has a dog in the fight when it comes down to the military and pro- providing the security to we the people. He knows that. And you can see it. I seen a picture of him a few days ago. 
A matter of fact, it's up on my Twitter account on, on the GAL network. That's where Gary Gatehouse hangs out, up on Twitter. And uh, I seen a, a picture, and then I took it and I posted it up on my account up there, of Mr. Donald Trump handing, sticking his hand out to embrace a veteran who had lost both his arms, who was very excited to even get to see Mr. Trump. Mr. Trump went over to him and uh, put his uh, hand up against the man's cheek. You could see the compassion in Donald Trump's face. You could see that he understood the sacrifices that that young man gave to the country. Both of his arms were gone. And old Donald Trump, he gives this benefit and the people are trying to say, well, you know, he done it uh, just to stay out of the uh, whole process of the debate. He was afraid of Megyn Kelly, blah, 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 blah. Megyn Kelly? Afraid of Megyn Kelly? You know, that bimbo, she she has her own deal. She's a journalist. And she's trying to make a bigger name for herself, I guess, than she thinks she has now. So what better way of doing that is go, go after Mr. Cruz? Go after Mr. Trump? And uh, do everything she can to make herself and her old mind's eye, and I guess some others, why, man, Nanny Girl's got it all together. She goes after these guys tooth and nail and calls them on the carpet. I don't think so. I don't think so. She's a phony just like most of Fox News people are. There's a few on there that are good guys and good gals, but the rest of them are phonies and retreads from other National networks, ABC, CBS, CNN, they're all retreads. They move around like they're on a checkerboard. This is Gary Gatehouse, and we'll be back after a few short messages. Don't go away. This is Gary Gatehouse. Make sure you tune in to Restoration Radio International weekends to listen to the Gary Gatehouse radio shows back-to-back. Wow! Diabetes is a killer. After I was diagnosed, I had no pain. I didn't feel sick, so I didn't listen to my doctor. Then it struck. I had a heart attack. Then a stroke. And I was only 49. If only I'd known. If only I'd listened. The complications of diabetes often go undiagnosed and are far more serious than you might think. Most people with diabetes also have high blood pressure and cholesterol, which can cause severe heart damage. In fact, two out of three people with diabetes die from heart disease or stroke. But you can reduce your risk of heart disease and stroke by lowering your blood sugar, blood pressure, and cholesterol. Learn how. Call 1-800-DIABETES for your free diabetes survival guide. Choose to live. It's not too late. Don't let diabetes destroy your life. A message from the American Diabetes Association and the American College of Cardiology. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. Enjoy your freedom. Support Combat Wounded Veterans, presented by the Military Order of the Purple Heart. For more information, visit www. Dot purpleheart.org Welcome back to the Gary Gatehouse Radio Show, a special edition, a Saturday edition, very rare. 
very rare indeed. I kind of explained why we're doing a Saturday show. It was because of the debates, and we just wanted all the dust to settle before I jumped in there and made any comments, whatever. Right now, I'm going to listen to some very cool music. Eagles. Give a shout out to all my friends over there in Nacogdoches, Texas. Hope you're having a great day. Get off that front porch. Go to the back porch. Drink your beer. People are getting tired of riding by and wishing they were on the porch with you. Getting after Lefty. All you NASCAR fans, hold on. Uh, Daytona Beach is just around the corner. All you baseball fans, it's coming up fast, isn't it? This the World Series, this seemed like it was yesterday, and now they're talking about spring training. Wow. Man, I tell you, time flies. Older you get, it gets into warp speed. Well, hell, Gary, you know, but uh, time flies, but... You know the old saying, Gary, time flies when you're having fun, right? Well, that's right, Billy Bob does. And by God, I'm having some fun. Yeah, by God, I know you are. I know you are, Gary. I'll watch you. We sit over there on the couch and we watch you just going all kinds of crazy and contorting your face and flaring your arms around and beating on beating on your desk and knocking the darn computers on the dang floor and Carl gets all shook up and starts stuttering. Well, I'm sorry, Billy Bob, if I get you all fired up like that, but that's just the way I am, man. Yep, yep, that's that's, that's, that's the way he is, Billy Bob. You just can't change him now. 
Well, thank you, Carl. Thank you. I appreciate that, man. <laughs> you know, Billy Bob and Carl, they hang around the studio all the time. All you folks that listen to my show know this. There are a couple of yogos that live down, down the road from me. They work on ranches down there. And they come moseying up here all the time, and they knock on the studio door. They know I've always got cold Lone Star long necks in the refrigerator sitting over in the corner, and sometimes I got a bag of Doritos, or every once in a while I might put out some Twinkies or something, and they, those suckers will eat every bit of it. They'll eat it all, and they leave all the crumbs on the floor, and they leave. They do. Here recently, they've been picking up the beer bottles and putting them over in the trash barrel that sits right outside the studio. They've been doing that. And you know what? The other day, I was last week I was doing a show, and I came in here, and right next to my microphone was a $20 bill. A $20 bill with a little note on it from Billy Bob. And it said, Gary... Thank you all for putting all that beer and stuff out for us. Trying to talk like him now. Can't really do it, but I'm trying. Thank you for putting all that beer and stuff out for us. We appreciate it, Mr. Gatehouse. Don't think we don't. Here's $20. Well, that's, you know, that was, that's good. That's good that they did that. Because I was getting ready to kick their ass out of the studio. <laughs> No, I'm just kidding. I enjoy their company. They're sitting over curls over there. What? <laughs> Carl asked me, he said, Hey, Mr. Gatehouse, can you play a song that's kind of like country western or kind of different than some of the stuff you play, that East Coast music and West Coast music? Well, sure, Carl, I can play a song for you. Here we go. on a few others and me I guess it's because I kind of changed my direction Lord I guess I went and broke their family tradition Gary Gatehouse Radio Show All you folks down there on the border, all you Border Patrol dudes, uh, this song's out for you. I know you got one hell of a job down there. Both hands tied behind your back. But do the best you can, man. That's all you can do. Help's coming real soon. All you truck drivers out there rolling down the road, I-35, I-70, I-29, whatever the case may be, you keep them reels a-turning in between the lines, and this song is right in there for you, too. Appreciate what you all do for the country, keeping things moving on down the road.
And one more shout-out I gotta give before old Hank Williams uh, stops bumping his gums. All you folks over there in England, down there in London, my mate, Mr. Stephen Lang, I hope you're having a great day. All those sunny intervals, I know they're overwhelming. Basking in the sunlight in between the raindrops. Gary Gatehouse is sitting over here rubbing it in. It's 80 degrees today. Hell of a winter down here in South Texas. <laughs> I'm planning on firing up the old hot rod this weekend and uh, taking a cruise or two. God knows where I'll end up at. Maybe some local watering hole shooting a game or two of pool. Who knows? You know, these old hot rods, you got to get out there on the road and let that horsepower kind of unwind after sitting a while. It just kind of got to stretch its legs. And believe me, Gary Gatehouse loves to push that gas pedal down as far as it'll go. There you go, family tradition with Hank Williams Jr. That guy, I love him. I love him. I love honky-tonk music. I love Texas swing. I love rock and roll. I love 80s music, 70s music, 60s, 50s. I like it all. Salsa, you name it. Tejano, Gary Gatehouse loves music. It's such a big part of my life. You name a song or you play it, and I can tell you almost where I was at the first time I heard that song. That's right. It's always been a part of my life, and I just uh, uh, I just enjoy music. It just makes me feel good, you know? And a song like that, you know, I don't care if you like Honky Tonk, Hank Williams, Country Western, whatever the hell you want to call it. When you hear a song like that, you've got to get a little bit of movement in your body. I know you do. Now, if you were down here in South Texas, by God, I would take you to some dance halls, and we would go to some watering holes, and we would sit down and listen to some Honky Tonk music, bring your favorite squeeze, and we'd get out on that dance floor, and we would raise some South Texas hell i guarantee it (laughs) oh such is life down here in south texas i enjoy the hell out of it i enjoy it so much you know folks all those times i left the state to go serve in the military and and pakistan and uh, afghanistan and iran and libya and lived overseas and whatever I was always happier in hell to get back and put my feet on United States, Texas, terra firma. I was glad to be home in South Texas. And I guess everybody can say that about their homestead, about where they live, whether it be in New Jersey or Des Moines, Iowa, or I don't know, San Diego, wherever the case may be. Home is where you put your butt in the seat, as my grandma said, Home is where you hang your hat. This is Gary Gatehouse, and we'll be back after a few short messages. 
What's one of the most important elements of a high-performance stock car engine? Air flowing through the system, mixing with fuel, combusting, bringing the speed and thrills of stock car racing to life. Block the exhaust, the flow of air, you've got a problem on your hands. If you have emphysema, wheezing, chronic bronchitis, or smoker's cough, then you know what it's like when the air can't get through. What you probably don't know is that it could be COPD, the number four cause of death in America. But COPD can be treated. So talk to your doctor about COPD and get a simple breathing test. Then get on track for treatment. Learn more. Breathe better. Go to www.learnaboutcopd.org. A message from the National Heart, Lung, and Blood Institute of the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services. Hey, this is Gary Gatehouse, and you're listening to the Gary Gatehouse Radio Show on freedominamericaradio.com. Tune in Monday through Friday. Yeah, I kind of like doing these Saturday shows, kind of relaxed, you know, nothing hanging around, kind of push you to say the right thing, just, just kind of free, uh, free for all, you know, uh, free for all, just uh, do what you want, do what you want Saturday. Gary Gatehouse, getting after Lefty, love it. You know, ladies and gentlemen, old uh, Bernie Sanders and Hillary Clinton, Democrat communist, it really makes me laugh when I listen to Fox News or I listen to any news outlet. These people call themselves news outlets. They're really nothing but propaganda machines for the political cartel up in D.C. But they say, you know, old Bernie Sanders is up there and he's a socialist. Well, if he's a socialist, what the hell is Hillary Rotten Clinton? What is she? Is she a middle-of-the-roader? Is she a conservative? Hell no. Is she a moderate? Hell no. She's a socialist. She calls herself a progressive, but a progressive is just another word, really, for communist. That's all it is. But I found a news article the other day that would fit these two people and the Democrat Communist Party to a T, something they could take to their adults who vote for them, who go to the voting booth and vote for the Democrat Party, whoever it may be, a dog, a cat, a monkey, a, a, a lizard, whatever. This so happens, it's Bernie Sanders and Hillary Clinton right now. The Swiss government, ladies, now listen to this. And this fits right in with Bernie Sanders and Hillary Clinton. Don't, you know, my wife said, don't be saying that and give them some ideas. They already know about this crap. And if they could get away with it, they would. In, in Sweden, the Swiss government. Now listen to this. Grab on to this. Listen. The Swiss government proposes paying everyone... 1,700 pounds, British sterling. That is about equivalent to $2,500 a month. Whether they work or not in a bid to end poverty. But insist most people will still want to get out and do it, work, get a job. Swiss residents are going to vote on a referendum to guarantee basic monthly income. It would be the first country in the world to introduce unconditional income. Radical plan was proposed by a group of so-called intellectuals. The Obama regime's cabinet is full of these pinheads. And I bet they've seen this and they're saying, my God, if we could do this, can you imagine how much control we would have? 
You don't play ball with us. You don't get your monthly paycheck, man. It's welfare now, but this would probably, they'd work it out so it would be on top of welfare. But the Swiss residents, Swiss residents are to vote on a countrywide referendum about a plan to pay every single adult a guaranteed income of 425 pounds a week or 1,700 pounds a month or $2,500 a month. The plan proposed by a group of intellectuals could make the country the first in the world to pay all of its citizens a monthly basic income regardless if they work or not. But I have some faith in the people of Switzerland. The initiative has not gained much traction amongst politicians from the left and right, despite the fact that a referendum on it was approved by the federal government for the ballot box on June 5th of this coming year. Now, this plan also proposes that each child, on top of all this other stuff we're talking about, each child in the household would also receive a 100 pounds a month. Under the proposed initiative, each child would receive 145 francs, 100 pounds a week. The federal government estimates the cost of the proposal at 208 billion francs or 143 billion pounds a year. About 153 francs, French francs, or 105 billion British pounds would have to be levied from taxes while $55 billion would be transferred from social insurance and social assistance spending. The group proposing the initiative, which includes artists, writers, intellectuals, cited a survey which shows that the majority of Swiss residents would continue working if the guarantee income proposal was met and approved. The argument of opponents that a guaranteed income would reduce incentive of people to work is therefore largely contradicted. It said in a statement quoted by some newspaper. However, a third of the 1,076 people interviewed for the survey by the Demoscope Institute believed that others would stop working. And more than half of those surveyed, 56%, believed the guaranteed income proposal would never see the light of day. Bernie and Hillary, Democrat Party, there you go, man. You want to control the United States? You Just go out and say, if you elect me, I'm going to let you all keep your welfare. I'm going to let you have all your freebies. And on top of that, we're going to give you a guaranteed salary of $2,500 U.S. every month. And if you got any kids, we're going to give them $100 a week. Each of them. Now this is on top of all the other free stuff. You know, there would be a lot of people in the United States who would bust their ass to get to the polls to vote for either one of them yokels if they made those statements. Of course, they'd be talking out of their backside because you know, I think, I hope, that Congress would say, hey, you can talk all you want. You can blow smoke up America's ass all you want, Hillary and Bernie. We're not going to go through with this. How are we going to pay for it, Hillary and Bernie? And Bernie would say, 
Well, hell, just tax the crap out of them corporations till they aren't corporations anymore. When they close them down, then we'll talk about how we're going to pay for it. Until then, we'll rape them over the coals and we will use their money to pay for it. Spoken like a real socialist. You know, folks, when you hear things like this in the news, although it's on the other side of the pond from Switzerland, and you hear who is proposing it, all the pinheads, all the pseudo-intellectuals, all the people of Switzerland who probably don't work much anyway, probably live off the government tit anyway, and they they uh, they they stand up here and say, "Hey, we're the we're enlightened ones. We know about everything that is anything, and here's our plan." But even the citizens of Sweden, fifty six percent, say, "Nah." They don't think this guaranteed income proposal thing will ever see the light of day. Thank God there's still some people with common sense in Switzerland. You know, folks, when you look around here in the United States and you see all the folks living on the dole, now there's a lot of them that don't want to be there. They don't want to be on the dole. They don't want to have the government, anything to do with the government, but since the government a lot of times has interfered with the, with the uh, businesses that these people were working for that eventually folded tent or walked out and moved uh, across the border into Mexico or something and left these Americans high and dry, what else, whatever, what have they got to fall back on? They have to look for assistance somewhere. And I don't hold anything against those people that are on welfare and social assistance because... They have nowhere else to turn. Nowhere else to turn. The government of the United States of America needs to get itself out of the business of the private sector. They need to divorce themselves of the private sector when it comes to EPA standards and all that crap. The United States of America was built on the backs of the blood, sweat, and tears of hard-working Americans. And those hard-working Americans are still out there. There's a whole pool of them that want to work and can't because the jobs that they had went south or they went to China or they went somewhere else because of the corporate taxes levied on corporations today, the highest in the world, ladies and gentlemen. The highest in the world. Now, if we put a person in at the top of the heap in the White House that is involved with Congress, those individuals that write all these laws, those individuals that are constantly writing laws that are stacked up in the warehouses by the thousands of feet, do you really think that we're going to accomplish anything by getting getting this country back out of the ditch and on the main road? I don't think so. Have we ever elected a businessman, an entrepreneur, a successful person who has been through the ringer and made us highly successful in the business arena, in the private sector? I don't think we ever have. Donald Trump is the person for the job. Donald Trump knows how to make a deal. He knows how to make things work. Congress damn sure don't. They damn sure don't know how to make things work. All you have to do is look around and listen. And when you get people up there 
that are running for running for the presidency on the Republican side that are operating out of the Congress, out of the Senate. What do you think those people, their, their backgrounds are? It's writing laws, writing legislation. They are not held accountable for anything. Trump screws up. He could lose billions. He could use, lose millions. Cruz or uh, Rubio screw up or Rand Paul. So what? It's not their money. It's your money. So what? Let's try something else. Lose a few more billion. It's time that America step back and really think hard about who they want in the White House come January of 2017. We tried the social experiment with the first black president and all that crap. Well, the half of him's black. And we got him in the White House and he ran on hope and change. I'm fundamentally going to change America in just a few short days. And by God, he did. He almost, he, he has just about destroyed America. Our military, social issues, all the, the nuclear family, same-sex marriage. He's, he's brought it all down on us. And you know, ladies and gentlemen, when you talk about Obama and you talk about Congress and you talk about all the song and dance one-trick pony shows that Congress on both sides of the aisle run out in front of the American people on any issue, any crisis, they're all the same. They're all the same. They're not ever held accountable. And they've dumbed down to America so much that Americans don't even know how their damn government functions. They don't know what the judicial, the executive uh, branches of the government are. You know, ladies and gentlemen, it's sad. It is really sad that when somebody in the White House controls the government to a point like Obama has, his henchmen in the judicial branch, levy the laws or don't enact them or don't enforce them. And he gets away with everything. He gets away with everything. And we have a Congress that is scared to death of him. Won't speak up, especially Republicans. Yet when it comes out to push and shove and their their little, uh, uh, little empires are being threatened, say by Donald Trump, well, they go tooth and nail against him. They won't say a damn thing against Obama, but by God, they'll go after somebody like Cruz or Trump. They'll they'll call them out on the carpet. They'll call them every name in the book. They'll try every damn congressional behind-doors tactics they can to bring those two guys down because they know either one of those guys, if they're elected, the days are of the fat cats making deals behind closed, smoke-filled, closed doors in Congress, those days are going to come to an end. Because either one of these two guys, Trump or Cruz, they'll go to the American people. They'll circumvent that congressional cartel, that political cartel in the District of Corruption, Washington, D.C. Those two guys will go directly to the American people. And that's the way it should be. And the Republican Party and the Democrat Party and the mainstream media knows this and they know if either one of them gets in the White House, their days are numbered. Numbered. And their little empires, their little ivory towers are going to crumb, come crumbling down. 
That's what this election's all about. That's what this election's all about. And I see a glimmer of hope that America has finally woke up to that fact. That these guys have been playing us for dummies for years. And we've gone, gone along with it. You're listening to the Gary Gatehouse Radio Show. We're going to break for news. And when we come back, we get something special for the second hour. You are listening to the Gary Gatehouse Radio Show. Gary will be back after the Fox 5-Minute News break. Fox News Radio, I'm Kathleen Maloney. Two bureaus that oversee intelligence and security will investigate whether any of the new censored emails that were on Hillary Clinton's unsecured home server were classified at the time of transmission. The State Department, withholding more than 20, described as top secret. We had an ongoing discussion about this traffic with them. Um, At their request, uh, we've decided to make this upgrade. It is a State Department decision. We're doing it, but we're doing it at the request of the intelligence community. And, um, uh, and, uh, We're going to continue to coordinate and consult with them going forward. State Department spokesman John Kirby, the Clinton campaign questioning the secrecy of the emails, saying they originated and remained on the State Department's unclassified system. One of the three prison escapees back behind bars in Southern California, Bok Duan, turning himself in. This is the Vietnamese immigrant who's been in this country for the past 20 years or 25 years, and the U.S. has been trying to deport him for a couple of decades, but Vietnam won't take him back, so we're kind of stuck with him. He's now being charged with attempted murder, so he'll go back to the Orange County Jail and eventually go to trial. The big question now is, where are the other two inmates? Fox's Trace Gallagher, the GOP presidential candidates stepping up their game in the final days before the Iowa caucuses. Jeb Bush tearing into Ted Cruz over his plan for bombing ISIS. We're going to carpet bomb Mosul, a population of 800,000. You think that you think ISIS is out in the desert somewhere we can just carpet bomb people? Bush at a campaign event in Carroll, Iowa. Big rally on Wall Street to end the trading week and the month. Dow jumping 396 points, S&P up 46, Nasdaq climbing 107, but January still ends with hefty losses. You're listening to Fox News Radio, fair and balanced. Unexpected reactions to smart financial decisions brought to you by FeedThePig.org. Well, I finally did it. My student loan is totally paid off. I can't believe it. I can't believe it either. I paid more than the minimum each month, and soon enough, it was gone. So you're just giving up? Giving up on what? The life of luxury. Egyptian cotton, caviar Thursdays, designer everything. What are you talking about? Our plan. What happened to winning the lottery and mastering the art of the perfect mimosa? Hosting galas, wearing enough jewelry to require a bodyguard, vacationing in the French Riviera, and then buying it. I just thought maybe it was time to prepare for my future. You know, set some financial goals, make some smart investments, open a 401k. Financial goals? Investments? A 401k? You are horrifying right now. Listen, if winning the lottery were easy, everyone would do it. When it comes to financial stability, don't get left behind. Get tools and tips for saving at feedthepig.org. This message brought to you by the American Institute of CPAs and the Ad Council. Candidates making their final presidential pitches in Iowa through the weekend. At a campaign event for Chris Christie, one voter running down the major issues. The biggest thing, golly, I don't know, the economy, 
our safety, um, jobs. We need jobs bad. The voters getting their real say at Monday's caucuses. Another threatening action by Iran. Commander Kevin Stevens confirming to Fox News that an Iranian unmanned drone directly flew over USS Harry Truman. The incident happened on January 12th when the unmanned aerial vehicle flew towards the French aircraft carrier Charles de Gaulle and then towards Harry Truman when the vessels were in international waters. A U.S. Navy helicopter launched from Harry Truman visually identified the UAV. The semi-official Farce News Agency, which is close to Iran's Revolutionary Guard, published footage of what it said was the drone's flight. In the Mideast Bureau, Jessica Gallagher, Fox News. A renewed effort to close the pay gap. We're the Obama bozzle. administration wants all businesses with 100 employees or more to supply data on equal pay to the Equal Employment Opportunity Commission. The government will use the data to help identify companies that should be investigated for failing to pay workers fairly. This is an expansion of the White House's Equal Pay Data Collection Program. In 2014, President Obama directed the Labor Department to collect data from federal contractors on what they pay employees, sorted by gender, race, and ethnicity. In Washington, Rachel Sutherland, Fox News. A New Jersey man convicted of illegally killing three bears that wandered onto the back deck of his home. The judge not buying Robert, Robert Ellings claim that he shot the mother bear and her two cubs to protect his family, instead ruling that Elling committed acts of vigilantism and ordering him to pay more than $4,000 in fines. I'm Kathleen Maloney, Fox News Radio. Well, welcome back to the second hour of the Gary Gatehouse Radio Show, Saturday edition. I told you I had something special. Coming up a little bit later is the Billy Bob and Carl Show. They've been bugging the hell out of me. And they're sitting over there on the damn couch just swilling down that Lone Star beer. This big moon eye Nancy, you gotta play our show. So I guess after I have a few comments here, I'm going to plug y'all into a Billy Bob and Carl Show, a blast from the past, if you will. But right now I got some business to attend to about a little woman up there that's just trying to mosey on through all the processes of becoming the first lady to ever be president of the United States. He'll rotten Clinton. But you know, ladies and gentlemen, with all this email stuff and all this classified information that she says she's never seen or never even transmitted or never housed on that server that was hiding out in some guy's toilet or something or whatever, the intelligence community has now deemed some of Hillary Clinton's emails too damaging to national security to release under any circumstances. And this is according to a United States government official close to the ongoing review. A second source, who was not authorized to speak on the record, backed up the finding. The decision to withhold the documents in full and not provide even a partial release with with restrictions further undercuts claims by the State Department and the Clinton campaign that none of the intelligence in the emails was classified when it hit Hillary Clinton's personal server. Hmm... Now, I want you all to listen to this real close. Just pay attention what this lady has to say about Hillary Clinton, about top secret information, and what's going on in D.C. 
Begin with Chief Intelligence Correspondent Catherine Herridge back in Washington and a blockbuster letter spelling out more potential problems for Hillary Clinton. Good evening, Catherine. Right as the FBI investigation expands, confirmation tonight from a senior government watchdog that Mrs. Clinton's email problems are much worse than previously reported. According to this letter, first obtained by Fox News, Hillary Clinton's emails on her unsecured personal server contained intelligence from the U.S. government's most secretive and highly classified operations called Special Access Programs, or SAPs. These are the crown jewels of the American intelligence community of the United States government. The intelligence community's Inspector General, Charles McCullough III, notified congressional oversight committees on January 14th. The letter says a comprehensive review by the intelligence agencies who have final say on classification matters found, quote, several dozen emails containing classified information at the confidential secret and top secret slash SAP levels. That is even more sensitive than top secret and brings new scrutiny to the presidential candidate's handling of government secrets. If this information is compromised, we're going to suffer very serious national security damage. There's no mistake. You don't accidentally stumble across it and not realize what it is. Access to these programs is highly restricted and on a need-to-know basis only. The State Department spokesman had not seen the letter but added, There are reviews and investigations going on about past email practices here at the department, and I am simply not at liberty to discuss uh, uh, the, the content. The new findings are striking, given Clinton's first public statement about her personal server. There is no classified material, so I'm certainly well aware uh, of the uh, classification uh, requirements. According to court documents, former CIA Director David Petraeus was prosecuted for sharing special access program intelligence with his biographer Paula Broadwell. Both Petraeus and then Secretary of State Clinton were required to sign non-disclosure agreements promising to protect special access programs with the understanding that a failure to do so has significant legal consequences. This is a real test for the administration as to whether they're going to apply the law in a fair and equal way and treat Hillary Clinton the same way that David Petraeus was treated. A new email first obtained by the Daily Caller shows the State Department knew about the personal account as early as August 2011 and suggestions to use a government BlackBerry and a .gov account were rejected by Mrs. Clinton's aide, Huma Abedin Brett. You know, ladies and gentlemen, this lady, Catherine Harris, she is spot on. That lady, that woman up on Fox News, one of the bright stars as far as I'm concerned. She's a no-nonsense lady. You can tell that by looking at her. And she's got herself stuck into some of the higher places within the federal government. And she's made contact. And she has a lot of people out there off the record that give her some very good feedback, intelligence-wise, whatever you want to call it. And she passes it along to us. Stuff you won't hear on all the other radio shows or TV shows. This lady has got it going for herself, and she is getting the word out to us. Unspun, unadulterated word out to us on what's really going down with Hillary Clinton. But you know, the decision to withhold the documents in full and not provide even partial release with redactions further uh, undercuts claims by the State Department and the Clinton campaign that none of the intelligence in the emails was classified when it hit Hillary Rotten Clinton's personal server. But this lady, Catherine Harris, says that's not right. That's not the way it is.
she says that all this stuff that Hillary claims that she doesn't know anything about, and if you read between the lines of what Catherine Harris has reported to us, Hillary is lying through her teeth, and so is the State Department. You know, ladies and gentlemen, when push comes to shove, and you look at all the felonies that could be identified that Hillary Clinton and her uh, cohorts in the State Department and her sidekick have uh, done with this classified information, they could go away for a long time. But do you really think, do you really think that the federal government and the Republican Party and Democrat Party and the judicial system, Loretta Lynch, have enough wherewithal to take Hillary Clinton and that bunch that supported her to task and indict them and prosecute them and put them away? Hell no. Nothing. I say nothing will probably ever happen to Hillary. If anything comes of this, somebody else or some bodies will fall on their sword for Hillary. They will take the full brunt of the prosecution and Hillary will walk away clean. Mark my word. That woman has dirt on everybody. Everybody. Her and Bill Clinton. How do you think they've got along so long down through the decades without ever having to answer to all of the things, all the scandals, all of the things that they've done while before they were in the White House, while they were in the White House, and after they left the White House? Nothing has ever come of those scandals. The new, the the proof out there would hang an individual like you or me out to dry, but not her, not Bill. They get away with everything. And everybody is jockeying right now to see how they can word it, how they can circumvent, how they can spin it, how they can spin lies into the truth and truth into the lies and protect Hillary's big ass. And mark my word, there's never ever going to be anything of this when it comes to her. Nothing. They will find a way, they will find a way to protect her, protect her husband, protect probably her lesbian sidekick. There will be people within the State Department that their heads will be on the chopping block. Their heads, their their careers, or probably maybe not, maybe a spank on the hand, uh, fine, and off they go, something that always happens in government. They always seem to get away with everything, especially the Clintons. But you know, the intelligence agencies are operating on the assumption there are more copies of the Clinton emails out there. And even releasing a partial email would provide enough clues to trace back to the original which could allow the identification of Special Access Programs Intelligence, SAPs. But you know, ladies and gentlemen of America, when when you talk to the State Department, you, they'll always parade out some official, and they'll say things like, we continue to process the next set of former secretaries' emails for the release under the Freedom of Information Act process, and we'll have more to say about it later, 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 later. As always, we take seriously our responsibilities to protect sensitive information. That's bogus. 
That's a bogus lie right there. But you know the State Department was scheduled to release more Clinton emails this last Friday while asking a D.C. federal court for an extension. Why do they need an extension? Now the Federal Bureau of Investigation, their investigators are looking into the emails and they are focused on the criminal code pertaining to gross negligence in the handling and storage of classified information and public corruption. The documents alone and of themselves set forth a set of compelling articulable facts that statutes relating to espionage have been violated. Now, if you listen to my show, you know that I have been in the intelligence business. I was an intelligence operative going for over 31 years at one of the two top intelligence agencies. And I was involved with SAP and higher than top secret information throughout my career. And I know what they're talking about when they talk about espionage, espionage laws and stuff. If you handle that, if you're directed or you're a handler of it, a processor of it, a user of it, you are compiled, com, uh, you, you are compi- uh, tied at the hip with all of those regulations. And you have to sign your life away saying you will handle them as they are laid out in those regulations and you will not differ one iota from what those regulations say you can and can't do and if you do here are here is what's going to happen to you and it's laid out fines 10 years in jail 5 years in jail loss of clearance loss of job etc etc that they're felonies ladies and gentlemen they're felonies and this woman Hillary Clinton and some in the state department and Hillary's side pick, sidekick, they have all of this hanging over their head. And more and more is coming out every day. But you know, based on federal regulations, once classified information is spilled onto a computer, a personal computer or device, as was the case with Clinton and her aides, the hardware is now considered classified. The hardware itself is considered classified at the highest classification level of the material received. While criticized by the Clinton campaign, these individuals and the Obama uh, uh, administration, they're relaying the conclusion of two intelligence agencies on all this in a letter to Congress. And that the information in itself was classified when it hit Clinton's server and not, not otherwise, as Clinton would say. Ladies and gentlemen of America, if she gets away with this, We've talked about it many times. If she gets away with this, all bets are off on this country remaining a republic. How can we ask all the intelligence agency people, CIA, NSA, DIA, the four military intelligence groups, how can we ask those men and women who are dedicated individuals, how can we ask them to continue on with their business, continue on, doing the business of the country and the security of this country, when they see something like Hillary Clinton stick her finger in the eye of every intelligence operative, every intelligence analyst, every intelligence chief, every intelligence handler of top secret and security information, how can we expect them to continue and say, oh, well, they're just letting her off. But i got to stand by what I have to do. 
I still have to take the polygraph test. I still have to remain under the, the scrutiny of the federal government from the time I sign on and day one and becoming uh, part of the intelligence community until I retire or quit. It's not fair. It's not fair for asking all those individuals to continue on with the very stringent, very stringent requirements to even remain in employment with the intelligence community and allow Hillary Clinton to walk free. You know, if you look back at these sleaze bags, if you look back at Hillary Clinton and, and Bill Clinton, you find out that the Clinton and Hillary herself once again at the epicenter of a controversy over incomplete records. During her time at the as the first female partner at the Rose Law Firm in Arkansas during the mid-1980s, she was known as one of the three amigos and close with partners Webb Hubble, Vince Foster, and Hubble ended up as a convicted felon for his role in the failure of the corrupt Madison Guarantee a savings loan which cost taxpayers more than $65 million. Hubble embezzled more than a half a million dollars from that firm. Foster killed himself in Washington, D.C. in July of 1993 as Clinton's partner in the Rose Law Firm. He had followed the Clintons to the White House where he served as the Clintons' personal lawyer and a White House deputy counsel. Clinton's missing Rose Law Firm billing records for her work at Guarantee during the mid-1980s were the subject of three intense federal investigations over two years. Those records in the form of a computerized printout of her work performed on behalf of Guarantee were discovered under mysterious circumstances in the book room of the private White House living quarters. The discovery of those records was announced during a blizzard January of 1996 by attorney David Kendall, who still represents Hillary Clinton. After Clinton testified before a grand jury, prosecutors concluded there was insufficient evidence, insufficient evidence to carry on with the prosecution of Hillary Clinton. Insufficient evidence. You know, I guess to prove beyond a reasonable doubt she committed perjury or obstruction of justice. But you know, ladies and gentlemen, despite Clinton's recent public statements about not knowing how the technology works, at least one email suggests she directed a subordinate to work around the rules of classification. In a June 2011 email to aide Jake Sullivan, she instructed him to take what appeared to be classified talking points and turn them into a non-paper with no identifying heading and classification and send to her on non-secure lines. That's a crook there. That's a devious mind there. That's a person who understands the repercussions of doing it the right way, understands if she does it the right way and tries to circumvent the right way, but still has the classifications she understood, understands the repercussions of doing so. So she directed this guy, Jake Sullivan, to remove the classifications, cut and paste and turn it into a non-classified paper with no identified heading and send it on to her via non-secure email to her damn personal server. 
Then she went on after all this and had that server and everything on it tried to erased and the server destroyed, I guess. Remember I told you, once classified information's on a piece of hardware, that piece of hardware assumes the highest classification of whatever is on that hardware piece, the computer. That computer's classified at that uh, top clearance as well. These are devious people. These people are connivers. These people are liars. These purple people are void of any morals, void of any conscience. They don't give a damn who they destroy. They don't give a damn who gets wiped out. Look at the four guys in Benghazi. Clinton could have cared less, could care less about that. She lied through her teeth about that. She could care less about the security of the United States. Here's the bottom line. If for some reason she gets away with all this and she doesn't get prosecuted, indicted and prosecuted, being the President of the United States, she's not going to be, she's not going to be under any stretch of the imagination eligible for a clearance based on her sleazy background. How can she be the commander-in-chief? How can she be the president of the United States? When if the law is enforced, she will not have access to classified information. She will not be able to attend classified briefings of any kind. How can she function as the commander-in-chief and head of the country and the government? Well, you might say Barack Obama is the same way. Well... If you ran a background check on Barack Hussein Obama Jr., he would fail it. And he would be denied security clearances. Same with Hillary Clinton. If they ran a bona fide in-depth, like they do people who sign on board with NSA, DIA, or CIA, where you take polygraph tests and you're checked all the way back to your 12th birthday, not just yourself, but your family, your peers, the people around you, your friends, your schoolmates, you name it. They wouldn't make it, either one of them. They wouldn't make it. You know, ladies and gentlemen of America, it's a sorry damn mess here in the United States of America when we have so-called leaders that are so corrupt that if you put them to task to face up to the same requirements as somebody like Gary Gatehouse who served in the, the uh, intelligence community for 31 years or anybody like me, and all the things that we had, all the hoops that we had to jump through, all through our careers to stay squeaky clean, these people wouldn't make it. I doubt if half of Congress would. Yet they're holding the feet to the fire of individuals in the intelligence agencies. They did away with Betrayus. It's all fair game with Hillary. Or is it? Who's going to step up to the plate? The director of the FBI? Is he going to insist that Hillary Clinton have her day in court indicted? Is Obama and his puppet over in the DOJ, Loretta Lynch, going to follow through and be real Americans? And prosecute, indict, and prosecute someone that has stepped on the toes of we the people and put this whole country at risk, our, our children, our future generations, 
We know damn well, I know damn well, and the people in the intelligence communities know damn well that her server was wide open. And nobody can deny it was probably hacked into by Russia, by China, by Iran. All of our enemies. I heard a report today that they were hacking into that and getting information, classified information on the movement of diplomats, etc. on the fly as it was going on. What they were talking about, talking points on what they were going to talk at meetings about when they sit down and negotiate it. Ladies and gentlemen of America, if you don't understand the whole, com- the whole impact of this on not just the government, but, but you and me, then there, you, there's something wrong with you. Every American should insist that this woman be indicted and everybody else attached to this. They can't cover this up. This has to go forward. It has to. This country has to take her down. You're listening to the Gary Gatehouse Radio Show Saturday edition. Coming up next, my friends over there in the corner have been bugging me through the whole damn first part of the show, asking me, can they get on the air? Can they play a show? Can they talk about what's going down in South Texas, down at the dance halls, and all this other stuff that those two yokels, Billy Bob and Carl, get up to every dang time they step their foot out the door, they're in trouble, doing something somewhere. But you know, folks, they are so funny. And they're so funny to listen to that what I'm going to do is I'm going to play one of their past shows. And if you like it, you can drop me a line at Gary Gatehouse Radio Show. You can drop me a line at Gary Gatehouse at Hush, H-U-S-H dot com. And we can see if we can make the Billy Bob and Carl show an integral part of the Gary Gatehouse Radio Show that airs Monday through Friday on various uh, radio stations throughout the United States and Europe and England. Let me know what you think. And if you like them, well, we'll just make it a part of the show. We, I have a two-hour show. I can squeeze in 30 minutes. That's why. That's what their show, that's the length of their show is 30 minutes. And it, after you get in with them a while, you'll learn all the different characters that are involved with uh, Billy Bob McCarl. It's not just them. You've got the Whittler. You've got the guy that runs the used pickup place. You've got the guy that runs the uh, dance hall. You've got Billy Bob and Carl's wives and the hairdressers that, uh, the, that work in San Antonio. It's a whole bunch of funny people. And they tell a lot of funny stories. And, and over the last few years, uh, they've kind of drifted away from doing the shows. They've had a lot of the, the guys that do the characters, they have a lot of stuff they have to do. So they've asked me to put this out and see what you all think. And if you give them a thumbs up, then by gosh, we'll bring them back. We'll see if we can get them out there and see if we can get them back on the air again. What do you think? Let me know. Gary Gatehouse at Hush.com. With now, no further ado, here is a blast from the past the Billy Bob and Carl Show coming to you on the Gary Gatehouse Radio Show all the way from South Texas. Tell you what, folks, being Monday, I guess that's the way things start out. I've been having trouble with this here, this here microphone. I think I finally got the darn thing fixed. I called up 
guy down the road that knows a little bit about him, and he come up here and had a look at it. He said we was getting something he called feedback or something and making kind of a, oh, I don't know, a humming noise that I could hear in my headset, and it was showing up on the recording. So he he done something, he switched something around, moved something around, and now it seems to be working okay. Folks, I want to tell you something. Now, if you listened to my last show, you know what went on last Friday down there at the City Hall Bar down there at the county seat. Now, old Carl and a bunch of his boys, they got in a big wing-ding knockout rumble fight down there and just tore that bar all to heck. Carl went home at night and had knots all over his head and his brand new cowboy boots were all scuffed up and had a brand new hole ripped in his Wrangler jeans. He's got a bunch of them. They're all patched. He had a brand new one ripped in his Wrangler jeans in the back. Somebody hit him so hard that he went sliding across that sawdust floor and hit up against the bandstand. Knocked his darn hat off. The guy was in a mess. Well, I tell you, you know, I know you folks don't know it, but this show gets some big-time sponsorship. You probably heard that commercial there from Charlie's Pickups. Well, Charlie sponsors us, and so is the City Hall Bar down there at the county seat, the guy that owns it, and the bartender. He's the same guy. Well, he's been giving us a little bit of money, too. But I tell you what, he is really mad on what happened Friday night. And I just want you to hear what he had to say about all of it. This is Marcus down at the City Hall Bar, the bartender. And I'd like to tell you, we'll be sponsoring that Billy Bob and Carl show. Them crazy dudes come in here and tore up my bar last Friday night. And I'm telling them their cowboys if they want sponsorship from City Hall Bar, they gotta behave themselves. I'll tell you what, this week's sponsorship money's coming out of their pocket. I ain't sending it till they pay for them chairs, they broke. And all you folks that listen to them crazy cowboys, you're welcome at my bar anytime. Well, there you go, folks. That was Marcus down there at the City Hall Bar. He's been the owner of that bar for going on, I know, 40 years. He ain't never done anything to it. It looks the same as it did 40 years ago, some people tell me. You go in there and you go back in the men's restroom and there's all kinds of holes poked in the walls and writing on the walls and you go out there in the dance floor and some of the boards at the insides of the dance floor are all tore up. But it's the only bar and dance hall we got in the city. The big city. <laughs> anyway, it seems that he's all mad at Carl and he's taking it out on me too and I didn't have nothing to do with it. I was just sitting over in the corner last Friday night drinking Dr. Pepper and having a good old time with my missus dancing out on the dance floor. But I don't know. I guess it'll all blow over. I guess I'll go down there later on today and talk to Marcus and just see what I can do. Because we need that money to keep this here show going. Now, folks, I you know, I get up every morning about 5 o'clock. 
and I scuffle around the house there and make some coffee and everything like that and get in there and sit down on the couch and turn on the television and proceed to watch a little bit of news, whatever. Come about 8, 7 o'clock, me and the missus will sit back there and she'll cook up some biscuits and gravy or sometimes some pancakes or something like that. We'll have our coffee and we'll watch all that Fox News to get all caught up on stuff. Because we we down here in South Texas, we know what's going on. We want to know what's going on in the rest of the country. Well, anyway, I've noticed over the last, oh, I don't know, three, four weeks, month, that they've been bringing this gal on there in the morning talking about political stuff. And she comes on there, and I tell you what, she's wound up tighter than an eight-day clock. I think she probably drinks a whole dang case of Red Bull before she comes on there, or at least 10 or 15 pots of coffee. Because she gets going a mile a minute, and her face gets all contorted, and her mouth goes 14 different ways, and her eyes are flapping, and... I told my wife, I said, I'm going to eat my biscuits and gravy in the kitchen. I can't stand to watch this gal. My wife said, I'm witty. I'm going in there, too. So we just go in there till she gets done flapping her gums. And there's another one on there that neither one of us can hardly take. We we uh, we sit around and talk when she's talking. That's that Martha McCallum or whatever her name is. Well, she'll proceed to ask somebody a question, and before they can answer, she cuts them off, or she's already repeating what they're saying and making that another question, and if I've already answered it. Her and that Bill O'Reilly. I don't even watch him anymore. He's so bad he gets up there and just cuts people off. Disrespectful to him, calling them all kinds, calling them by their last name, people he knows that he works with, he calls them by their last names. But down here in Texas, when you know somebody, and you're a workmate with him, or you they're your neighbor or something, you don't call them by their last name. You call them by their first name. That shows a little bit of respect for them. But that Martha McCallum and that Bill O'Reilly, they, I don't know. They just got the, they just got the, something going on there. They kind of cruise by their own set of rules or something. I don't know. But I turn them off. I just can't stand watching them and that chipmunk that gets on there. I'll just go watch something else, Price is Right or some stuff like that. Or I'll just go on out and walk around the property and look around, see what's going on overnight, see if, there's anything been down around in the back of the property doing whatever, tearing it up, whatever. You know, critters come through here all the time. One day I walked out in my backyard and there was two longhorn steers looking at me. I went and told the wife, I said, get on the phone and call the sheriff for those two steers get out there in that road and some pickup or some car hits them and hurts them and them steers. So the time the sheriff got down here in his pickup, those two steers had done wandered off and went somewhere else. I don't know if they ever found them. But you wouldn't believe some of the stuff you see on my property or thereabouts. 
why there's all kinds of critters roaming around down there all times of the day. You can go out there any time of the day and see 10 or 15 deer out there eating a bunch of stuff. And there's skunks and possums and raccoons and you name it. Roadrunners, scorpions. But that's the way it is down here in South Texas. If you're going to live down here and enjoy the weather year-round, and it's nice, it's really nice, you're going to have to put up with your critters that live around here, too. Because this is where they live. This is their home, too. Now, I'm going to switch this microphone off, and I'm going to play a little Carl wrote me a letter, wrote me a note, I mean. And he said, I know you have Carl's choice. And here's what I think you ought to play Monday. Let's play this and see what Carl picked this time, okay? Hello, Walls. Hot things go for you today. Don't you miss her Since she up then walked away And I'll bet you dread to spend another lonely night with me But lonely walls I'll keep you company Hello, Wendell Well, I see that you're still here Aren't you lonely? Since our darling disappeared Well, look here, is that a teardrop In the corner of your pain? Now, don't you try to tell me that it's rain She went away And left us all alone The way she planned Guess we'll have to learn To get along Without her if we can Hello, ceiling I'm gonna stare at you a while You know I can't sleep so won't you bear with me a while We must all stick together Or else I'll lose my mind I've got a feeling she'll be gone a long, long time Now folks, that was fair and young And my God, Carl, you I tell you good on you, son You picked out a real good song Because I know on Friday night They play that song They play that song every Friday night And we all get out that dance floor That dance floor is this packed With everybody out there dancing on it to that song, Hello Walls. But Carl left a note here, and he left more than one song today. Because he said, uh, 
Billy Bob, today is Veterans Day, and maybe we better play some songs for the veterans out there. So by golly, that's what I'm going to do. I'm just fixing to put me on another song, and while it's playing, I'm going to go over there in the refrigerator and get me a Dr. Pepper. And I'll be right back after the song commences to stop playing. Here we go. Here's a good one. that song was playing I re- I'd remembered a, so- a story about my buddy Carl and it was a few months ago and you know when you listen to the show you're always hearing me talk about how Carl goes out and drinks all that Budweiser and gets in trouble and his wife takes a broomstick after him well here a couple of months ago Carl went down to the city hall bar on a Monday night on a Monday night He'd been out partying Friday and Saturday. But he went down there on a Monday night, and he told his wife he's going to be right back. He just wanted to go down and do something. He made up something. He went down there. and Well, to make the story short, he got a snoot full. But he wasn't really drunk. He was just, you know, half drunk. So he come home and walked through the front door, and his wife said, What do you mean by coming home half drunk? Carl said, Well, hell, it's not my fault. I ran out of money. (laughs) But you know, ladies and gentlemen, 
all you folks up here on the East Coast and the West Coast and all you folks over there in England. Well, I've been getting a few emails from you, and I really enjoy reading them. I really do. And I got an email from a, a guy over there in England that said, Billy Bob, I heard tell that they got longhorn steers down there in Texas, and what does a longhorn steer look like? In the flesh, how big is that sucker? And how big are those horns? Well, I tell you what. The guy's name is Ian that sent me the email, and I tell you what, Ian. When this show, this version, this uh, Monday show goes up there on the internet, I'm going to put a picture up there of a longhorn steer that I took that's right down the road from where I live. That's right. This fella's got a bunch of them. And this particular longhorn steer, if you stand over by the fence and clap your hands, well, he'll just mosey on over there and check you out. But you got to be careful. Because that sucker has got some horns. Why, hell, they're almost as wide as one of them little old cars and the little Volkswagens. So you got to be careful with him. But he'll just mosey on up there at the fence and look at you. And you can stand there and I took a picture of him. And I'm going to put it up there on the internet. Just for you, Ian, so you can have a look at one of these South Texas Longhorn Steers. And I tell you what, Ian, any time that you ever feel like that you need to get on an airplane, get you one of those passport things, and come over here to the United States of America to look around and visit, well, you just give me a call on the Internet, and by golly, I'll make some room down here for you. You just come down here to South Texas and have a look around. I'll take you right over there in person and show you that longhorn steer. Maybe me and you and Billy, Billy Bob, that be me, maybe me and you and Carl could just go out. A couple of nights, I'll take you into San Antonio. I'll introduce you to those beauticians in there. Because there's a few of them that are real party women. Real party women. They like to drink beer and they like to dance. And they're always dressing up fancy, so you'd probably like those. And I'll take you over to the city hall bar on a Friday night. And we'll get you some cowboy boots. Fix you up with a Stetson hat and some jeans and a starched white shirt. By God, you can just get down there and hold down with us. I know you'd like to do that, Ian. So like I said, the invitation's open, brother. If you want to come down here and see how us South Texans live and what we do for entertainment, well, you just let me know. Now I'm going to play one more song because Carl left three of them because he said for me to play at least three songs for all those veterans that are stationed over there in Afghanistan and all those places overseas. I imagine some of them are probably over in England and Australia and all over the place. And it's not just for our veterans, it's for all you veterans, whether you be living down there in Australia or Canada over there in England or 
over there in Europe. I know you all got veterans too. I know it's not your day, but we're just going to play the songs, and I know you folks like country western music because that's the only kind of music there is that tells it like it is. You can get a country western song going and you can be happy, get up and dance to it, or if you don't want to be happy, you can just go buy you a beer and go over in the corner and cry in it. One guy told me one time, he said, you know, Billy Bob, when you take an average country western song and you put that record on a record player and if you play that sucker backwards, you know, that guy singing that song, that sad song that a lot of country western songs are, if you play it backwards, well, hell, he gets his girl back, gets his car back, gets his dog back. Gets his money back. And I just laughed at him. And I said, you know, you're fibbing on that. You can't play a song backwards. He said, I know it. But that's just the way some of them country western songs are. Man's always singing about losing his dog. And somebody taking his car. His girl's done ran off. So somebody other cowboy or something. And I said, that's just the way it is. That's the way life is. But I said, we got happy songs, too. We sing about towns, and we sing about, I don't know, all kinds of stuff. So I'm going to play one right now where this guy sings about a famous town in Texas. And if you folks ever get the chance that don't live in Texas... If you ever get the chance to come to Texas, you gotta go to this town. Just walk around and check it out. It's a famous song. Have a listen. Abilene, Abilene, prettiest town. I sit alone most every night Watch those trains pull out of sight Don't I wish they were carrying me Back to Abilene, my Abilene Abilene, Abilene Prettiest town I've ever seen Women City, there ain't nothing free, nothing in this town for me. Wish to the Lord that I could be in Abilene, sweet Abilene. Abilene, Abilene, prettiest town I've ever seen. Women there. 
folks, I knew this cowboy, and this cowboy loved to eat. Every time I went over to his house, he was in the refrigerator, had his head stuck in the refrigerator, pulling out bowls of this and cheese and all kinds of stuff, and he would just sit there and eat and eat and eat while I was talking to him. Well, one day he went home and he said to his wife, he said, What the hell have you been doing with all the grocery money I gave you? That refrigerator is empty. What have you been doing with all that grocery money? She said, Well, hell, turn sideways and look in the mirror. <laughs> but you know, folks... It's really sad. You know, you get some couples, they get at each other's throats all the time. They do. You know that. They're always arguing and fussing, arguing about money, and arguing about who's going to drive the car, and who's going to do this, and who's going to do that. But sometimes, you know, they get together, and they, you know, just like I knew a guy, and he went in and asked his wife one night, he said, let's go out to the city hall bar and have some fun tonight. Get on the dance floor. She said, okay. But if you get home before I do, leave the whole light on. <laughs> oh, man. Man, how would you have to have your wife tell you that? Boy, that'd be a slap in the face, wouldn't it? If you get home before I do, leave the whole light on. <laughs> Anyway, folks, I don't really have much to report on today down here in South Texas. It's just a nice day. It's a holiday. All the folks from outside the, the city uh, hall area and all the folks in the county seat are out doing stuff and barbecuing. It's supposed to be about 68 to 75 degrees today, somewhere in there. It's supposed to be up around 85 tomorrow. So people are just out having the fun that they would always like to have on a holiday. You know, just get out there and do something. But here I sit in front of a microphone doing a show for you all, and I don't mind it one bit. I like talking to you. I really do. I love talking to you. And you know, before I turn this dang contraption off today, I just want to pass on a little bit of information to a friend of mine up there on Facebook it lives clear up there in New Jersey and he's a famous guy he really is he writes songs and he sings songs and he sent me a bunch of CDs of him singing songs and all kinds of different styles of songs and boy heck that man can sing he's produced music for a guy named B.B. King and He's been on television. He's been doing all kinds of stuff with his talents. Bella's name's Trade Martin. Trade Martin. And I consider him a real good friend. We ain't never met in a person. But we talk back and forth on Facebook. And we get a laugh out of each other once in a while. 
and he we we really just enjoy each other's company there on Facebook and I consider him one of my friends even though I've never shook hands with the dude. Someday I might plan on going up there and doing exactly that. But until I do, Mr. Trade Martin, I hope you're having a good day up there in New Jersey. And I hope you're not getting into any trouble. Just watch yourself. Just watch yourself, son. Folks, before I pull the plug on this thing, I just want to remind you all that if you got kids, if you got children, they are the biggest asset this country has. It, it's, the, it's our future. Take care of them. If you got little ones running around the house, grab them. Grab them as they're running by. Just grab them up and hold them up up against your chest and give them a great big old hug and a kiss. Tell them you love them. And if you got teenagers out there, they ain't beyond that. They might try to think, act and say they're all grown up and stuff, but they ain't. Just one, one, of, one of them walks by and say, hey, come here a minute. I want to talk to you. Grab a hold of him or her and just give him a big old hug. Because you know when you're a teenager, there's all kinds of stuff slapping you about the face going on in your life. Stuff that most teenagers really don't even want to talk about to their parents. You know what they call it, peer pressure or something like that. We've all been through it. Teenagers need love too, so did you get them when they're walking by or sitting down there chomping on those potato chips and watching TV, just grab them and give them a hug and tell me you love them. Most of the time they won't tell you back because they think they're too sophisticated for it. But you know they do. So folks, I'm going to turn this thing off now, but before I go one more time, I'd like to say... To all my folks over there in England and France and Europe and down there in New Zealand and Australia and China and all those other places, I'd like to just send a big old howdy from South Texas to you. And I would like to thank Constitutional Patriot Radio, CPR, for picking up this here show and playing it so you all can hear Billy, Bob, and Carl down here in South Texas once in a while. We enjoy it. And we love it. And we love every one of you. And I hope God shines all his blessings on you. And keeps you on the straight and narrow. And I hope if you got kids, they enjoy every day in a positive way. And you as parents... Always know exactly what to say. Till next show. Take care. I'll see you on down the road. All you cowboys over on the east side and all you cowboys up on the north side and the west side and the south side of Texas. We've all been to Abilene. Here's a song that tells all about it. Women 
I sit alone most every night Watch those trains pull out of sight Don't I wish they were carrying me back to Abilene Now all you folks over there in East Texas that listen to the show I'd like to send a great big old howdy out to you and all you folks over there in England and Australia and New Zealand and Canada and all points north, south, east, and west, Billy Bob and Carl send out a big howdy to you and hope you're listening to Constitutional Patriot Radio. By golly, that radio station broadcasts worldwide. Everybody listens to CPR. City, there ain't nothing free, nothing in this town for me. Wish to the Lord that I Now I'm going to shut my mouth and let this song finish off without me blabbing, wagging my tongue, so I'll talk to y'all later. Well, folks, I'll close out the show. Uh, Behind the Music Abilene. Hope you had a great day and hope you enjoyed the show. Again, if you like the Billy Bob and Carl show and like to see those guys return, drop me a line at GaryGatehouse at Hush, H-U-S-H dot com. Until Monday, this is Gary Gatehouse saying, Good day.